Well, welcome back to Crucial Conversations. I'm Peter. And I'm Kevin. Who has finally returned from the other side of the world. No, the bottom side of the world this time. Again. This time. So, you know, continuing his pattern of avoiding doing this podcast by leaving the country. Or continent. Also continent. Yeah, you, you go to extreme lengths to not have to record the, a podcast episode, Kevin. I, Do you I need s- to talk about this? I will, um, in one 24-hour period, I was on three different continents. <laughs> so I'm still a little tired. Yes, yes, that travel will do that to you. Yeah. But as we get going in today's episode, if you wish to support Crucial Productions and this podcast and the Bible in Five series, which is coming out, Anchored in Christ, which is, is ongoing. Pastor Richard, actually, if people are wondering what happened... Um, Pastor Richard has had funeral after funeral after funeral in his congregation. And pray for him and his family. It has been a very tough month um, to be a pastor in, in that setting when you have to do at least one funeral a week, which he's had for almost the last two months straight. Um, so it's been very difficult for him to get in the extra time to be recording the Anchored in Christ series. So pray for him and his family. There's some health things going on with parents and in-laws and things like that as well. So um, keep him in your prayers. But if you wish to support what we're doing after you've supported your congregation and your church, um, you can do that. Crucialproductions.org slash give. There's various ways you can do that. Amazon. We're on Amazon Smile. Like you can set us up on Amazon Smile and pennies will go to us when you buy something. We got fourteen dollars last quarter, Kevin. Did we really? The whole fourteen dollars. That's because of Christmas shopping. Yeah, it was the it was the Christmas shopping that five people did. That's awesome. <laughs> so yeah, but anyways, today on today's podcast, we're going to tackle a very uh, interesting topic. I, I don't know if it's something that many of us have thought about before, um, at least not in the way in which we're going to talk about it. Kevin's thought about it, and I've actually had thoughts about it on occasion, but maybe not as organized as Kevin's thoughts on it. (laughs) You're laughing at organized thoughts, aren't you? I am. (laughs) Yes, yes. Many thoughts. I don't know if they're organized. Yeah, organized might not be the way to do that, but that's what the podcast is for, to organize them and get them them. out there. Yes. This is our stream of consciousness episode. But the topic is... Can you preach the gospel to yourself? So let's just start there. Well, I I think for full disclosure, this is less of a topic and more of a comment. Okay. I kind of said that to you one day. I kind of said, I don't think you can preach the gospel to yourself. Right? Yeah, and I said... I think you're right. Yeah. But let's unpack that. So now we've <laughs> I've been thinking about it on several continents. And also um, in between continents. And and flying over continents, which is fun. <laughs> um and and here's what I did on the plane ride over to Africa. Well, actually to Europe, I think. Um <laughs> it's all a blur. I read the Augsburg Confession. The entire thing. That actually didn't even take the entire plane ride. It's not, not at that, all. It's not that long. <laughs> I was hoping to fall asleep, but I actually it got more interesting as we went. So yeah, you need to read the apology if you're actually apology. trying to fall asleep. <laughs> so then I, w- I read this small call to articles on the next plane ride. Um, and and it really 
kind of reinforced what I was thinking about this topic, is that the nature of Christianity is external. And that one of our biggest struggles as Americans is that we make we believe the source of truth, the source of whatever, is internal. Hmm. And I was thinking about this this afternoon as I was, um, yeah, doing other things. And the the only analogy that I ever come up with that makes sense to me, so I just use it over and over and over <laughs> and over, which I've probably already used in this podcast, is the dog and cat analogy. No, we haven't done that on the podcast. Where yet. I think you're good. Yeah, so we'll try it. So basically, it goes like this: when when you have a dog and you feed the dog and you take care of the dog and pretty soon the dog looks at you and it thinks you feed me you take care of me you are awesome <laughs> i love you i want to serve you I and be with know you where forever this is going. <laughs> however if you have a cat and you do the same thing to the cat the cat will look at you and say you feed me and take care of me i must be awesome <laughs> because you serve me and Americans are cats, largely. Generally, yeah. We we have a tendency of saying, well, God really loves me, therefore, I must be quite lovable. Hmm. Jesus died for me, therefore, I must be worth dying for. And we look at the scriptures and we read them as though the given is us. Hmm. And God is the one who is finding ways to somehow bless us or somehow make it work for us. And even the the teaching of justification by grace through faith can often get twisted into a doctrine of God knows you're not very good at all this, and that's okay. (laughs) Because he has made sure from the foundation of the world that you're okay. He found a way to fix that. He found a way to fix your problem. Yeah. And I really have lately struggled with that gospel. Well, struggled is a weak word. I don't think that's also, actually... Also, gospel probably isn't the right word either. Right. I don't actually think it's the gospel. Yeah. <laughs> and when Paul says there is no other gospel, I kind of think that this is one of those other gospels hmm. that, myself included, we have kind of accepted as a shade or a shadow of the true gospel. And... One of the remarkable things about Lutheran theologians is our love of words that we learned in seminary. <laughs> and, well, and and even those of us who didn't go to seminary yeah, still end up loving the same words. You hang out with those who, who yeah, yeah. learn them, and then you just say them because they said them, and it seems like a smart thing to say. And, and we're cool when we say them with right. you. Yeah, so so makes, that gets us into the in crowd. And we're all so much cooler when yeah. we're speaking Latin <laughs> or Greek. Filioque. Not really Hebrew. Woo! Hebrew will never make you cool. No, that one, that just clearing your throat. It and just confuses hacking. people. And it's backwards. But one of the terms that Latin, that Lutherans, Latins, <laughs> a little sleepy, <laughs> that Lutherans like to throw around is extra nos, outside of us. Hmm. And, and we all know, and nobody would refute this, that the gospel is inherently extra nos. It doesn't find its origin in me. It doesn't find its meaning in me. It doesn't find its reality in me. 
the gospel is something that was done for me outside of me, right? Mm-hmm. That's the most basic reality of the way that we conceive of Jesus, it God's grace. It nothing from me to be the gospel. Right. I don't add to it. I don't subtract from it. it, yeah. it I really have nothing to do with it. Yeah. I simply receive it, right? So we all know that, and that's not really a big issue. That's kind of like, yeah, okay, welcome to Lutheranism. Right. Right. <laughs> um, that's why we're not for enthusiasm. We're not for these other things that look inside of themselves to find truth. But I think even Lutherans... We then struggle to balance that with what happens when I'm alone and how do I think about myself? How do I conceive of myself? How do I process the reality of me when the only thing that's good is not in me but outside of me? Hmm. And the more that I've taught um, in various settings the awful reality of self-esteem that self-esteem is not a teaching of scripture, but a teaching of, um, not God, the father. If you go down Jesus line of thinking, that's <laughs> not from your father. Of, that's God. It's from a different yeah. father. Now that's a, that's a line of thought I have been thinking about a yes. lot lately. The whole self-esteem self-esteem thing. Yeah. That's a scary thing that our country has embraced, including Christianity, including Lutheranism. Yeah. We should probably do a podcast on that sometime. We might end up doing that today. That would make everybody mad. We might do that today. All right. But <laughs> as I as I teach against that and just blatantly say that self-esteem is not a God-pleasing way to think. It's not actually something you want. No. Yeah. Um, and it's not scriptural. God never asks us to love ourselves. Um, yes, I know love your neighbor as yourself. I know. Right. He's not saying to love yourself. He's saying to love your neighbor. Okay, I think that's, that's actually the podcast we need to do right there. That's, that's kind that's, of the height of selfishness when you take the command to love neighbor and say, see, I have to love myself. Well, I actually saw that in an article going around Facebook last week where the actual teaching was, until I get the first part of this right, I can't right. do the second part. That's and right. the first part is, I have to love myself. Yes. Because and until I can love myself, I can't actually love my neighbor. And that is, this was a Christian, I don't remember who it was exactly, but it was a Christian teacher type person saying, look, this is the right way to understand that command. I've read a lot of of even solid Lutheran teachers that have fallen into that trap. Yeah. And it really is just a a literal backwards reading of the text. Jesus' point is never to love yourself. (laughs) Seriously, just read the (laughs) Gospels. It's all about serving our neighbor. It's loving God and loving neighbor. And the love of self is actually the problem, not the solution. Right. Right. Concupiscence is the love of self. Oh, you're yeah, on a roll, see? man. Even Getting sleepy. it in first. So, so with all this going on in my strange brain, <laughs> um, I kind of one day just said to you in passing, I don't think we can preach the gospel to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And and I think, I think what I was trying to get at was that. Christianity is inherently a community issue. Well, and that's kind of the two, there, there were two ways that I went with that, you know, two different audiences perhaps mm-hmm. who could hear, who need to hear this. Mm-hmm. Uh, one would be the individual, and you always hear this, well, I can worship God out fishing in nature and it's more 
I feel closer to him than when I'm in church. Exactly. So that Good. that individual Good. needs to hear this because it's like, well, but if you can't preach the gospel to yourself, if the gospel actually has to come to you from someone else, you literally can't worship God in that setting in that way. I mean, okay, we, so we, that's, we, we seem so... <laughs> that's exactly right. So that's excellent. Let's make sure we hit that. That's yeah. one side. What's the other? The other one is a pastor. I, I can see... Being a pastor, and I'm not one, but from all my friends I have who are pastors, being a pastor can be an extremely lonely vocation where you are very often feeling like you are the only one. It's just you, and you're all on your own, and you don't have anybody else that you can go to for support. Some pastors have other pastors that that can help, that can come around them, and that they can go to, but I think even in that setting... There's very much a sense of, I am all alone. I'm the one bringing the gospel to my people. Well, since I'm the pastor, I'm the one bringing it. Who's going to bring it to me? Well, that's probably supposed to be me too. So I okay. need to bring it to Good. myself. So those are those are two different different approaches to this. Those are, those, yeah. are, those are very good observations. I appreciate those. So let's let's kind of do that. Which one do you want to tackle first? Ooh. I think the one the one is a very the pastor one is a very particular one that I don't know if many people consider. The other one is very much a cultural. Everybody so, knows that so one. So let's start with the pastor first, and we'll end with the the cultural one because I right. think that's that's kind of going the right direction. Um. Well, yeah. Let's let's do it that way. That's fine. Sure. So I think I think the pastor one is very interesting because, um. Yeah, I don't know how to kind of explain some of this. But but what you're what you're diagnosing is a very important thing is that every human needs another human mm-hmm. to speak the words of gospel to them. Yeah. I don't care who you are. Well it's and and hearing yourself say it to other people is that. That's and that was what I was thinking that even as you bring it to others, you are hearing it not but, because you're giving it to yourself. Right. But because you're giving it to the other person, right? And and in the application of the gospel to them, the Spirit teaches you that it's also for you. Mm-hmm. So in that way, pastors do hear the gospel for themselves. But that's the problem: is they hear it from themselves. You can't do it in a mirror. And I always know <laughs> when I hear the gospel from, like, say, I'm teaching, right? I'm teaching the Gospel of John, and I'm I'm proclaiming Christ and Him crucified in the Gospel of John because that's the best book in the Bible, and that's what it's all about. Which we have that Bible study that's going right. on right now. Please you listen. Can download it. Crucial Please Productions. Listen. It's fun. Go. We have a fun time. <laughs> Um, there are a lot of times that I'm teaching that I will hear myself say something and go, wow, that's really something I need to, myself Mm -hmm. need to hear today. That's actually for me. Right. But even that's not as, what shall I say, comforting or really the gospel as when my pastor says it to me Mm -hmm. or when a friend says it to me or when my spouse says it to me, when there my wife is so great sometimes she'll say hey kevin god loves you jesus <laughs> actually died for you and it's it's so wonderful because it's like yeah that's that's right mhm that's actually what i need to know right now yeah and and she's really amazing at saying it at the war, at like the weirdest time <laughs> which is great because you know it's kind of like yeah that's right 
don't forget right now that's, mm-hmm. that's the truth that matters yeah and 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 so i think pastors do struggle with this and this is why our pastors often seek out meetings with other pastors um they call them winkles which is a which is a <laughs> I just laugh every time. It's a terrible name. (laughs) It's Um, German. It's it's not our fault. And it basically means a secret gathering, which is kind of weird. Which is also weird. Yeah, it's not secret. Yeah. But but pastors do get together with other pastors, and part of the point there is to hear the gospel from somebody else. Yeah. And the other thing that pastors do, and I do want to touch on this, is private confession absolution. Yeah. Um, Having a father confessor. And and don't get weirded out by the word father. It just means... (laughs) a pastor you go to to confess your sins, right? Yeah. Most of us, it's going to be our pastor, right? right? You just go to your pastor and ask for time for private confession. Absolutely. Yep. If you've never done this, do it. It's really good. It is. Um, really good is probably the wrong word. Well, it's you need it and you don't even realize you need it and half the time until you've done it. And then you're like, I needed that. And Sometimes you really know you need it. And it's it's but. one of the ways that the gospel comes to us that we don't all take advantage of. Mm-hmm. So when I say really good isn't the right word, it's it's probably not enough, right? Yeah, it's it's, it's beyond really. It good. seems flippant to say yeah, it that way. Yeah, yeah. it's it it's it, I you can't describe it. Go <laughs> do it. If if so, if you've never done private confession absolution, please, especially if you're if you're Lutheran, if you're LCMS, please call your local pastor, ask him if he will see you. And now listen to me. This is important. Your pastor must keep all things in confidence. Yeah, he will not. Nothing you can say in the confessional can ever be repeated. Ever. And he won't look at you differently on Sunday. And he won't treat you differently. Because not only cannot be repeated to other people, he can't repeat it to himself. Yeah. When he forgives your sins, they are forgiven and and pastors who do private confession absolution they take it seriously and that is how they treat it and this literally is their they they are on the line for this yes (laughs) well and 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 if they don't and read the catechism please on this um when the pastor speaks the words of absolution it's as though God himself were speaking them, right? It has the same effect as if Christ himself showed up and said the, those words. Yeah. So that's why private confession is so awesome, because you actually get a chance to sit with somebody. You can divulge your your deepest, darkest sins. I mean, mm-hmm. the stuff that you don't even want to admit to yourself that you've done, you can tell your pastor. Or you don't have to. Mm-hmm. You can actually look at your pastor and say that there are a lot of sins that you want to confess and and you can't even enunciate them all, mm-hmm. and you can just do the best. You, he's not gonna he's not gonna he's not gonna sit there and examine you and say, "Are you sure you've told me everything?" No. As a matter of fact, we we say that's not proper. Else? Is there anything else? Lutheran yeah. theology actually teaches that that's not proper. Yeah. To to enu- to be required to enumerate all your sins is actually wrong. Right. Because so part, for one, you can't. You can't. For two. Your forgive, forgiveness is not dependent on you being able to express the full depth of your sinfulness. Because forgiveness is not contingent on what you do, right? But on what Christ has done. See for you. See. Yeah. See, this is this is the importance <laughs> of all this, and this is why this is such a huge topic. So, one of the things that pastors do is they go to other pastors to receive forgiveness because they need to hear the gospel from 
a pastor, someone else, and someone else outside of them, <laughs> right? And and same thing for us as lay people, as as theologians, as as whatever we are. We we always, as much as we teach the gospel, read the gospel, we still need to hear it, need to hear it mm-hmm. from some other person. And the best person to hear it from is another sinner, huh, who is themselves forgiven. Um, so one one of the, while we're talking about pastors, I want to talk about one of the things that I think makes this difficult for pastors. If you are a new Lutheran, if you're just coming into the the Lutheran church, you should recognize that we actually hold our pastors in quite high esteem. They're they're not just, or we should, um, the office at least is something other than just a guy who happens to be good at public speaking up in front of the church. Um, because some traditions, the, the role of the pastor is more of a good public speaker as opposed to what we've been talking about here. If, you, if you've followed us this far in this episode, what we're talking about, what a pastor does, might actually sound very different. And this is part of what makes it difficult for pastors in this area is because there, there is a difference in the office that they hold that sometimes... Well, we wrongly put them up on a pedestal, maybe right. that we shouldn't put them on, right? Um, or or we separate themselves from us in a unhelpful way, a not biblical way, where this person is, you know, endowed with powers that I don't have. That's that's wrong. There's also big words for that. Um, so yeah, big Latin words for yeah. that. Yep. So there there are ways in which it's wrong, but at the same time, we do recognize that what the pastor does is different than what I do. As as a me- as a member of the body of Christ in in some ways, and and that can make it hard once again in this area of preaching the gospel to yourself and the pastor feeling alone, well because there is something different there. But the other the other side of the coin is, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna speak a little contrary to a lot of popular ways of speaking, because that's <laughs> what I do. Yeah, um, we do have a podcast to do. There that. isn't there isn't really. I, I, I'm not one to wring my hands and feel overly sorry for clergy. Okay. Um, I agree with what you're saying, and, and it can be a very lonely place to be. Mm-hmm. However, they've been called there by God to be different. Yes. And and that is a high calling, according to Scripture. It's the mm-hmm. highest calling. So um, definitely take care of your pastor and love them. Definitely um, look out for his family and try to make sure that his wife is a person and not the pastor's wife. <laughs> That's always fun. Um, make sure his children are children and not the pastor's children. Mm-hmm. But your pastor is not just another dude. Right. He's a pastor. And at no second in his life is he not a pastor. Which I don't is, care if he takes his collar off. I don't care yeah. if he's mowing his lawn. I don't care if you're hanging out with him at the ball game. He's a pastor. You don't actually take a break from being called. Right. And that's <laughs> and that's a gift to him from God for you. Mm. And don't ever diminish that. Um and maybe I think that's what I'm getting at is yeah, that in other exactly. other church bodies that entire role is diminished. That's exactly right. And and we don't we don't want to you'll you'll notice if you've become a Lutheran wait you treat your pastors differently, differently. in a good way yeah that's right um but it also brings with it 
issues. Sometimes right. we go too far. Right. And you, and <laughs> exactly. We, do we don't want to worship our pastor because remember, your pastor's job is to serve. Yeah. And it's not to serve you. It's the Lord Christ that you are serving. Mm. So your pastor's job is to serve Christ. And the way he does that is by proclaiming Christ. That involves law and gospel. Mm-hmm. That involves sacraments. That involves visitation. That involves funerals sometimes every week for yeah. two months straight. Yep. I mean, you kind of just throw the yoke on your shoulders and you go because yep. Christ has called you. So pray for your pastor, support him. Um, but the best way to support your pastor is give him a call and say, dude, I want to do confession. I don't call him dude. I do. But um, say, I. It depends on your pastor. Your pastor I would might, like, be okay with might be okay with that. Might be okay with that. But say, I would like private confession absolution. The other way to yeah. serve your pastor is go to church. Or ask him questions. Yeah. I mean, this is something we, we have a Facebook group called the Grok Mood, and I haven't posted in a while there this particular thing. But one, one of the things that we want to regularly say is, don't just come to the Facebook group with your questions. Hopefully, you've actually talked to your pastor right. first and you're asking him because as much as you think you're annoying him, no. he actually loves that. Yeah. Like, that's that's, that's why, why he exists. Yeah. <laughs> it's that's to why he's answer a theological questions. And he loves that's That's what he's there for. Right. And it's half he, the reason he became a pastor is because he likes talking about that. If he doesn't know the that. answer, guess what you just gave him the opportunity to do? Learn. Learn. Go read some books. Yeah. Go look it up. That's awesome. Yeah. Most pastors love that. And, like and then, and then, the and then what he's going to get is a follow-up conversation yeah, with you where he gets to talk great. more theology with you. <laughs> and, and maybe, just maybe, be blessed in that. Yeah. Because you don't preach the gospel to yourself. Yeah. What that means is you need other people around you. Yeah. So we go back to the first th- part, point you made, which is in America, a lot of people say, well, I can go worship at the lake. Yep. I can go worship I feel golf closer course. to God. I feel closer to God when I'm doing course. what I want to do instead of what he wants me to do. <laughs> right. <laughs> Good. That's great. Oh, the irony. Um, but but getting away from the whole not doing what God asked you to do by being in church, um, a bigger problem is when I'm by myself, I can't hear the gospel. Yeah. And therefore, if I'm alone on Sunday morning, it's a real struggle to be able to worship because the most important element is missing, which is the proclamation of the gospel and the proclamation of the law. Mm -hmm. Because when I proclaim law and gospel to myself, um, the old man in me, the old Adam in me, will always soft pedal the law and always make the gospel a little less gospel than it actually is, because (laughs) it'll be a little bit more about me than it is about Jesus. Yeah which means I'm actually soft peddling the law and making the gospel into law, which is why you need someone else to do it to you. And I've been thinking about this a lot. Um, meditation is actually where most Americans think that the Bible teaches us to preach the gospel to ourselves. Oh, We think that meditation is where I get to sit and think inside my own head thoughts and end up saying, well, now I'm in a good place or I've got to get to a good place or I've got to, you know, be at peace or I've got to empty my mind or I've got to whatever. Well, it, it all boils down to peace, finding peace either with in nothing, thinking right. nothing or thinking the right Bible verses or thinking right. the right things about God. You're, you're, you're most often searching for some sort of feeling of peace, which or, is once again internal. Or some feeling of... Um, joy 
right? Yeah. So a lot of worship is, some, some is trying to get you to feeling. feel joyful about being in the presence of God. Mm-hmm. And that's very dangerous. So, so what happens is when I'm alone, even if I'm alone with the Bible, if the goal is, is for me to worship God in the setting that I choose, I've now actually interpreted the scriptures to be according to the way I want them to be read. Which Even is, if it's only in a small way, right. but it doesn't matter whether it's a big way or a small way. Right. You're, you're still, if you're a mile down the road in the wrong direction, you're, <laughs> you're right. a mile down right. the road in the wrong right. direction. So, <laughs> so this is even true academically, right? I have a PhD in New Testament theology. I, I studied the Gospel of John. Um, I wrote 200-some pages on four words in John. I know a lot about the Gospel of John. <laughs> I'm not bragging. That's just the way it is, right? right I've, just, yeah. I've just spent a lot of time learning. Um, I make sure that I'm reading new commentaries every day. I make sure I'm reading. To, I'm listening to different scholars every day. I just listened to a podcast today by somebody about the Gospel of John, because my own thoughts are simply that. Mm. And and when you're talking about the Word of God, you do not want your thoughts to be dictating the text. Yeah, you always want the Word of God to be the truth, and your thoughts to be submissive to that. Yeah, and that's why God designed the church is because scripture is not what I want it to be. It's God's word to me. Mm-hmm. It's God's word to you. And if if you're trying to preach the gospel to yourself, that means you are the arbiter of that truth, not someone else. Yeah. And and just check this out in the Bible. That's not how it works. <laughs> the, the, listen to Paul, right? Paul says in, in Romans chapter 10, the whole faith comes by hearing verse, right? He says, how will they hear unless someone preaches to them? Mm -hmm. And how will they preach unless they are sent? See, Paul's whole conception is that someone outside of you has to proclaim this to you. Which we should know intuitively because that's how every single one of us also heard was by somebody else. There, There is no instance of somebody coming up on their own, completely by themselves, with nothing else going on, boom! I just discovered the gospel. And but but they want that. Have you ever, <laughs> Peter? I know you've heard this. I know you've heard this. I don't believe in infant baptism because that means someone else is responsible for my salvation. Ooh, right? Yeah. See, that takes some other human doing something to get me saved. So and, in trying and, to, yeah. See, and what are they doing? They're trying to say salvation is all inside. Inside of so me. So we I think we have a confluence of two different bad influences here. Right. Going on. At least two. There's probably more, but two of them is they're they're particularly American things. One is our hyper individualism. America is nothing if not individualistic. We are the pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. You know, Chicago, the city of broad shoulders, just work, work, work. Um, it's we don't see it as much anymore in terms of the work ethic, but we are still very much. I am the master of my own fate. I am the creator of my own destiny. I name it and claim it, and that's where I go with what I want to do. This is very American in particular. It's it's Western to a certain degree, but even in Europe, 
they're kind of creeped out by how hyper-individualistic yeah. us Americans tend to be w- with this kind of stuff. Um, so that's in opposition to the community that it is very clear that Scripture is actually more focused on the community of believers. The church is not a single person. It's thousands, millions, billions of people in community. The second thing we have going on, the second confluence is Americans are very um, enthusiastic mysticism, internal experience oriented. This, this is very much ingrained into our society. It goes along with the individualism, but it's my truth is my truth and it comes from inside me. And that's not a postmodern statement. That's actually been the history of America from the beginning. <laughs> yeah, it's actually a very modern one, statement. Yeah, it's very modern. My my yeah. truth is always inside me, and I've I figured it out. And if it's truth, I can arrive at it on my own. I don't need anything else. That's right. Um, one of the best examples I know of this from my personal experience has been when I was teaching a college-age Bible study at a church, and one of the dads was very upset by this whole Lutheran thing. Um, he would consider himself more of a Reformed not really labeled much of anything, but he said to me, look, if I can't read the Bible and figure out whatever this doctrine is on my own, by myself, with nobody saying anything, I'm not going to believe it, yep. and it's not true. Yep. And it's not what it's not biblical. See, and 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 you're making so, so many excellent points there, Peter. <laughs> um, I can get on a roll too sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, really, it's just, well, your experience and, and your, your anthropology studies and, and a lot of things that we've talked about, um, yeah, you're just all over this. Exactly right. Um, we, we really, it really is just a desire for me to play a bigger role mm-hmm. than the gospel allows. And so when someone says, well, infant baptism can't be true because it takes someone to bring the person to the baptismal font, therefore it can't be the way that God saves because it's, it's relied on humans. I have actually it's said still, to these it's people... It's still a work, but it's, it's still the work, other right? person's work instead of yours now. I've actually said to that person, so a couple of people have said that. I said, so who taught you how to read? Who taught you how to speak? Who taught you how to understand English? Because I'm pretty sure you heard someone speaking English and believed, or you read and believed or something happened, mm-hmm. right? Nobody comes about this without another human, whether it's whether it's reading the word to me, teaching me how to read. Mm-hmm. I remember my mom teached me the Lord's Prayer, right? I mean, just your parents teach you the faith, your pastor teach you the faith, your friends teach you the faith. Mm-hmm. Someone teaches you how to read the Bible, someone gives you a Bible, someone, I hate to bring this up, but someone actually printed the Bible for you. <laughs> um Someone actually translated the Bible for you. Yeah. So don't you think for one second that you did this on your own. Yeah. And and don't you think for one second this diminishes God's role at all. This is how the Holy Spirit does it. Think about the creed. Yeah. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church. It's right there. The Holy Spirit and the church. This is the way the Holy Spirit does stuff. The Spirit gives faith. How? Church. I used to think that it was a diminishing of God to need to use humans to right. get his work done. But that that only, you can only believe that if you also at the same time don't believe that humans are truly evil, right. that we don't have this concupiscence thing yeah. going on. Because once you really understand the depth of our sinfulness, and then you say, and these are the people that God is going to use to bring his gospel, then you're like, 
Whoa. Whoa. That's crazy. Okay, now he really is God. Yeah. Because if he can take people who are that bad, who are that dead set against him in every way, and use them to convert people to him, only God could actually do that. So this is one of the things that if, if you listen to the, the John Bible class, you'll hear me say this a lot, is that I love the creed because during church, and I do this, <laughs> I'll, I'll say the creed and then I'll look around because the, the very best thing to me is that I'm not the only crazy person in this world that believes these things, right? <laughs> I'm reading this. By crazy I'm surrounded people. by all these people who are also reading the same creed. It's like, hey, I believe in Jesus. I believe in the virgin birth. I believe in his death and resurrection, that it's for you, that it's for sinners. I believe in the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I believe that God created all this. That's insane. And I look around and I go, wow, you do too. <laughs> this is really encouraging, right? I mean, this is crazy encouraging. And I'm teaching my children and they believe it. And the the elderly gentleman near nearby, he believes it. And the family over there who, who can't keep their kids under control, they believe it. And, mm -hmm. you know, and the saints that have been at church every Sunday their whole lives believe it. And the new person that just walked in off the street who, who's reading the bulletin, I'm hoping they believe it. Yeah. My pastor's saying it. And and it's, it's one of those times that I remember the gospel is not inside of me. Mm -hmm. It's outside. It's something that is that is brought to sinners by other sinners. And, and even, and we need to close, but, but one thing that I even want to bring up is even when you're reading scripture, resist the temptation to think that this is something internal. Yeah. When you're reading scripture, let the scriptures be external from you. Let them be other than you. This is something outside of you speaking into you, speaking to you. Yes. It's not thoughts inside your own head bouncing around that you're hoping will make sense and make you feel a certain way. At and, some point. And also, it's not a book about you. Yeah. It's a book about <laughs> Jesus Yeah, and what he's done for you. And that's very different. Most of us are tempted to say, how is this passage about me? Well, you, how do you, I fit yeah, in this passage? If you're, if you're good, which I'm not, at actually doing your daily devotions, reading a Bible verse or Bible chapter a day, as Kevin does and yes. others... You can still do that and be completely wrong in how you're doing it because Absolutely. you're reading it and thinking, okay, what do I need to learn from this today? What do I need to take from this to then apply in my life so I can be better person, better father, better Christian, better... And I think that's probably one of the best ways to show the distinction between reading it as about me versus about Jesus. Do I, Am I reading it so that I can go about my day applying whatever principle it is I found in there to make myself a better whatever it is I think I'm supposed to be better at that time. That's making scripture about you. Yeah, and sometimes, I yeah. <laughs> if um, that's all you're doing there, with it. It is good to be a better father. I, well, I need to be a better thing. father. Scripture does but, tell us what God's will is right. and how to live. See, that's the balance, right? Yeah. But but like what you're getting at is that that's not the point. Right. The point is that it's about what God has done for you in Christ. And because of that, you learn how to be a better father. Because yeah. of that, you learn how to be a better better friend, right? A better mm -hmm. whatever. But, but see, you're exactly right. We don't walk into it and say, this is a book about my life. Yeah. No, this is a book that tells me this amazing eternal truth about God and his son, Jesus Christ. And for everybody listening, for everybody listening, I want you to hear one thing today that you are loved, 
that the God of this universe has sent his son to die for you, that yes, you're a sinner and you need to repent. And the God of this universe has sent his son to die and to rise to forgive your sins. And because of his death and his resurrection, all who have faith in him have eternal life in his name. And that is the crucial conversation. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks.